say in the tone and your retrospective the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite tv medical drama my name is elizabeth and with me today as always are lauren hello and daniel hey today we'll be discussing season 8 episode 10 which is titled i'll be home for christmas the episode aired on december 13th 2001 lauren was going on that week 22 years ago the 67th annual Heisman Trophy Award is awarded to Nebraska quarterback Eric Crouch. After amassing a 35-7 record as a college starter, Crouch would never play in an NFL game, instead bouncing around from team to team for a few years before playing in the Canadian Football League and then the United Football League. I have never seen a down of the Canadian Football League, but it's always sound, they're overtime rules and they're, everything else about it, like the rule changes they make from the NFL... Always sounds super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they play with, uh, is it an extra man or one less? Like, it's it's the amount of players on the field is, like, changed from American football, and it's a shorter field. So, it, like, mm. it's more offense. Yeah. I'm sorry, just speaking of football, I've been talking to a bunch more out-of-country people, and I get so mad every time I have to say, oh, Lizzie's watching her American football tonight <laughs> because it's like, she's not watching soccer. But it's yeah. it just yeah. it, it's it, so it annoying. Is, it is objectively a stupid distinction. Like I I don't know what, but I don't know what else we would call right. it at this point. Footy? No, footy because footy is soccer too. Like yeah. we don't have, we don't have a good thing. So I just have to say every time, oh, the American football games are on today. Like I just feel so. It's dumb. just yep. if we can call it pigskin concussion time. There we go. Yeah, it, it's it's just like the the metric system. It's like yeah, yours is objectively a better system. But I, am I gonna learn it? No, but like. Also- there's also been Celsius Fahrenheit debates going on in that chat too. I have to translate every time I'm talking about how cold it is. I just automatically put it in Celsius. For Fahrenheit's them. better. I, I agree on temperature at least it gives a better. Sorry, on temperature at least it gives a better idea of like incremental. But anyway, that being said, uh, a little movie called Let me try again. A little movie called The Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, a high fantasy film based on novels by J.R.R. Tolkien, makes its red debut. Red Carpet Debut in London, England. The first part of a trilogy, it stars Ian McKellen, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Viggo Mortensen, Orlando Bloom, Liv Tyler, Kate Blanchett, Ian Holm, Hugo Weaving, Andy Serkis, and Christopher Lee, among others. Oh, Lauren's life would never be the same, and Daniel's insomnia is forever cured. That's such an insane cast when you I know. look back at it's it. It's so every, good. Every time. The fact that they got fucking Ian Holm just to play Bilbo. Mm-hmm. Like, just here, you're going to be in maybe 20 minutes of this movie. And have the scariest part of the movie. Nightmares forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, I love it. And also, Hugo Weaving is my favorite uh, epileptic actor. He has epilepsy. Fun fact. Um, In the U.S. box office, though, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone dominated the box office all through the short break, concluding a three-week run in the number one spot. And boy, howdy, this was a formative week of media for little Lauren. Uh, (laughs) Yep, that's six... six, uh, Four tattoos, at least, to these two properties. (laughs) It's fine. It's... With more planned. Not not necessarily for those. For uh, Lord of the Rings, I thought. N- no, not that I can think of. But anyway, Family anyway. Affair by Mary J. Blige is the number one song for the sixth and final week. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Creepy Holiday Card. At 8.30, there is a Will & Grace rerun. At 9, Will & Grace is back with a new episode, Jingle Balls. Uh, and at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Christmas? Christmas! There's a 
question mark Christmas. in there. Exclamation mark in there. Uh, this week's episode had 28.8 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his 22nd out of 40. Uh, previous ones of his from this season include Supplies and Demands and The Longer You Stay. And written by the team of Dee Johnson, doing her sixth out of 19. Previous one of hers from this season was Never Say Never. And Meredith Steam doing her penultimate episode, five out of six. Uh, and she did Supplies and Demands earlier this season. And one more time for the people in the back, no Chen this week. And for the folks at home, this is our second attempt to do this episode. Because for, <laughs> for the first time in my adult life, I have an ear infection. And it did some weird, weird shit. And it did some weird, weird <laughs> shit. What was that? Should, should I go get it or just leave it? Maybe they'll ring our neighbors. I don't fucking Oh, that was that your was doorbell. Our... Yeah. That, just, just hearing uh... that distorted and in the distance, that sounded like a spirit. Like, or something that was like... <laughs> it scared me. Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, Lizzie is trooping through an ear infection. We got about mm, a eighth of the way through the episode two days ago before it was like nah fam daniel pulled the plug on it yeah for the I, best i literally could not like i was not literally not here i did not know what was going on around me yep and so everything sounded muffled so. so everybody pity lizzie as we go on we have the previously on er's from benton i would hope so considering this is his quote last episode and uh, we come in with carter making fun of susan for rooting for the phoenix suns and she just, you know, is like, whatever. I got into it while I was in Arizona. Deal with it. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, fine, whatever. But uh, he's like, okay, I'll get you breakfast. Great. To which Susan responds, you live in a mansion and you're buying me a donut, which I absolutely adore. It's my favorite line. Hey, just, donuts are fucking awesome, no matter how much money you make. Yeah, but not from a roach coach. Like, at that point, get, get something a little bit better. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Carter gets a call from someone asking about how Gamma's doing, and we learn his parents are staying for the holidays. Yay. Or are they? Dun, 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 dun. dun. There we go. Daniel, wow. did I tell you I finally learned the noise? <laughs> it, finally, it finally clicked, like, three days ago. I was sitting there, and I was like, Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> so, like whatever wrong, faulty wiring had been going on is finally clicked. I still like the Spoitz, Spoitz Center. Spoitz. Sports. <laughs> Spoitz. <laughs> Go claim. Uh, Watch the Spoitz Center. I still prefer the Sports Center noise for it, but my brain now at least remembers the right one again. So so what you're saying is that there's hope for you to one day pronounce Gordon Vishnick's name correctly. Nope. That's, mm, that's <laughs> well, baby steps. Yeah. It's never going to happen steps. with me either. Oh. Anyway, uh, in grosser things, Romano says vascular surgery is just like sex. Gross, messy, and when done right, you leave satisfied. Which Bad. Lauren is re- physically recoiling <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Uh, he has Ben do a system because an alderman uh, needs some bi- needs a bypass surgery and he wants to have it done at county for some reason. Uh, Benton needs to talk to him about his schedule, but backpedals and just like yeah i'll do the surgery no matter whatever and on that anticlimactic note we're in with some bangs guys where have the twinkles been yeah we're real short on twinkles so far this season and uh i i wanted to note and i'm sure someone will correct me if i'm wrong uh but i think this might quite possibly be the last time we see the punch uh until the possibly series finale when benton makes his little cameo at the end and of course after season 13 they nuke the um the intro entirely but um 
I know they bring it back for the series finale. I just can't remember if the punch is a part of it. I feel like it is, but like I, I could be wrong about that. Like I said, I'm sure somebody will fucking tell me. Uh, but I did peek ahead to uh, 811 uh, to the intro sequence for that one, and the punch is not there in that one. So uh, it just felt like a something we should note, considering that like the punch was one of the first things we talked about in the very first episode as being like an iconic part of the intro and like something that you really something that really like resonates with you when you watch the intro and like it sticks with you mm-hmm. and so to see it finally maybe make its last appearance for quite a while if not forever is you know pretty crazy a uh, $10,000 Patreon idea I will get an absolute photorealistic uh, <laughs> tattoo on my back of the the frame of him doing the punch Roger Stone style full back piece no, I'm sorry, twenty thousand, but still twenty thousand. She will give the that piece will cost like ten thousand dollars. No, it'll be like eight hundred. <laughs> you know, small investment, small price to pay for immortality. Someone uh, use your tax return and make it happen. Yeah, who's getting a twenty grand tax return? I don't know. Jesus. Somebody People with a lot of kids. Uh, but we go from there to uh, out of the intro to a woman in the ER ringing a bell asking for donations, claiming that she works for the Salvation Army. And when pushed on it by Carrie, she relents, okay, I eat at the Salvation Army. So nice little bit of wackety schmackety to start us off. And uh, certainly uh, never miss an opportunity to shit on the Salvation Army. Don't yeah. give them your money. Give literally any other charity that supports uh, homeless people uh, your money. Don't give yep. money to the Salvation Army. I don't care how they're, loudly they're ringing their bell in your face. They are homophobic, transphobic pieces of shit. Yeah. So yeah. find your local yeah. homo- uh, charity who helps the homeless. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we then see Carrie uh, yelling at Luca for coming in late. Uh, Luca tells Abby that uh, no one at the bar has heard from Nicole, uh, and turns out she had been taking money from there too. So uh. the worst. Aye. Uh, in gayer news, Sandy brings in uh, two kids with some, quote, snow-related injuries, arguing. Uh, like, these two kids are one of the reasons why I never want kids. Because uh, <laughs> they act like this. Yeah. Uh, and he'll like... Oh. I need a pen. Shitty kids list. <laughs> oh, hey. There Priorities. It's it's been it's been neglected. I, I've only got one on the episode, so on the list so far the so. kid sandy brings in in 8 11 snow kids 8 10 whatever it is 8 10 like i said i have an ear infection i'm gonna trooper through this one but you got it go on sorry anyway uh but holly gives, gets the strong arm them off to the side and sandy gives carrie a hard time about not calling her to get together hmm uh they go to t- they go to talk in the lounge but uh carrie gets called to a uh, more immediate need case. Yep. A more urgent case. She looks so sad, though, when she gets pulled away, too. She's like, oh, okay. I mean, Sandy's pretty. Wouldn't you want to spend uh, time with her? Yes, I would. Uh, but then Susan tells Benton a man was found by the cops with a suitcase who had hit his head running away from them in the airport. He doesn't know who he is or where he was going. Hmm. And our mystery patient here, who we will later find out is named Stan. Uh, he is played by actor Harrison Page, who appears in stuff like Lionheart, Sledgehammer, and Quantum Leap. And he's making his first of four appearances through the season nine premiere. So he's going to be with us for the next little bit. I didn't realize the season nine premiere was his last one. Yep. Oh. 
Anyway, uh, let's go to our first audio clip here. It's going to be an audio-heavy one because there's lots and lots of court stuff. Uh, so let's start with Benton and his attorney. He's four years old. And deaf and traumatized by the death of his mother. I emphasized all of that. Thank you. Well, then appeal it. I can't. What am I paying you for? He denied the motion, Peter. It's not irreparable. The hell it isn't. He's asking my son to decide which one of us loves him more? It won't be that specific. What is he going to do, ask who makes the best macaroni and cheese? For whatever reason, Judge Alter has a feeling that by interviewing Reese, it will provide him with some relevant insight. Reese knows what's going on. He can sense it. How much more damage do you want to inflict on him? Hey, I agreed to represent you. You're the one who's choosing to fight. If you want to preempt this, Roger's attorney approached me yesterday. No. They want to make a revised visitation request. I said no. And I need to be honest. We don't have the edge here. On paper, Roger is coming across as the better father. And if I were his attorney, I would advise him to give you no more deals. Yet you're advising me to accept one? I am advising you to at least listen to one. Ugh, can, can, mm, can, can I be angry for a second, guys? I, I think you should be. Roger is asking for the goddamn bare minimum visitation rights, not even par full partial custody. He's just asking for, like, what was it? 38 days a year? Mm -hmm. I think so. Something like that. Like, 10%. He's asking for one in 10 days with Reese. And Benton is being such a fucking asshole about this. Like, no, this man who loves your kid, who helped raise your kid, just wants to make sure he gets to stay in your kid's life and you're going to be this much of a whiny piss baby about it? I'm not having it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love Benton. I know it's his last episode, but I am not having this. It's not great. It's really not great. And I like I, I I appreciate the effort they at least make to, you know, leave it in a good place by the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. And like they, they do make an effort to like land the plane and have the have the Grinch's heart grow three sizes by the end of the episode. But it does feel like slightly uh too little too late. Like it yeah. it does feel a little bit token where it's just like yeah, they worked it out, but it's just like, no, nah, man, we can't just throw out and ignore the like sour taste of the last three to four episodes. You know, the 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 whole rest of the season, where Benton has just really been pretty unreasonable. So it's it's just a real bummer that like this is we're still dealing with this in the very last episode. Well, I say very last. We'll, we'll get to all that later, but like we're still dealing with this at this point. It just feels like we we should have wrapped this up a while ago and. It's only because of his ego trip that we're still doing it. <sighs> Did you have anything on this? Um, yeah, Benton's being... You guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. Benton's been being pretty selfish here. And I like how his attorney's like, no, nah, dude, you're... Yeah. You're not looking great. <laughs> I really want to hear Jake's bonus episode to, to, to hear him speak specifically on this scene here of like when you as the lawyer have to tell your client, no, you're fucking wrong. Like you're this is, wrong and you're coming off poorly. This is why I wanted to suck it up and attempt to do two recordings this weekend. It's not going to happen now, but I just I wanted to do it so I could have a sneak peek of his insanity. Yeah. Oh, boy. Can't wait to hear that. Uh, but for now, we go over to uh, Carrie, uh, who finds Sandy over at the vending machine. And finally, uh, just, uh, you know, comes around and is like, hey, do you just want to get lunch tomorrow? Like, let's start there. And uh, Sandy with the uh, cute reply of no sushi. I don't like sushi, which I is uh, which is objectively like, wrong, by the way. 
Yes. Sushi's delicious. Yes. But I love how Carrie's like, what? Huh? Yeah. Just so broken. Uh. Such a hopeless lesbian. We love her. (laughs) And Sandy recognizes the gentleman who was uh, injured and amnesiac, uh, Stan. Uh, Turns out he lives behind a dumpster in town. And uh, Susan goes over to talk to him. And very sweet how they, you know, she works with him talking around the issue here and he says, uh, you mind if I stay a while? It's kind of Christmassy here. And I don't, do not remember Stan in any capacity whatsoever. So I don't, I couldn't tell here. Is it that he truly is suffering from amnesia? No. Or is no. it just that he's no. playing along with the bit? No, you actually, you get a very, you get a very in- interesting few lines of backstory in, okay. that, in 9-1. Well, good. Yeah, they, um... we'll, we'll get into it more then because I, I, like I said, completely mind dumped him. Yeah, no, Susan, the way she does it, she's like, if he happened to, and he happened to, and Stan just kind of plays along with that line of thought. Right. Just like, oh, yeah, of course I'd want to be in the hospital. So. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to get there. Um, mostly I just don't want to To the do... hospital? No, to, to 9-1. Got I'd it. Just... Yes, 8-22 and 9-1 are two of my favorites, right? 22? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's two, 22 par- episodes two, this season. two-parter. Yep. So good. Uh, all right, let's go to our next audio here. Uh, Benton is at the courthouse. The alderman thinks you're such a brilliant surgeon, then you operate. Where are they? They asked us to show up early. I don't know. Hey. Hey. What's going on? <sighs> we're waiting for Roger and his lawyer. I thought we were here to see the judge. Well, we're hoping that won't be necessary. Peter, what's going on? I don't know. They want to talk about some kind of deal. Ms. Prager, Dr. Benton, sorry we're late. We ran into a lot of traffic. Well, we don't have a lot of time. What have you got? Visitation uh, every other weekend plus two weeks during the summer. One week during the summer, we'll think about it. No, we're only asking for 38 days a year. 31 days. I said no. Peter, no. it's only 31 days. You know what? I'm not doing this. Peter, listen to me. No, you listen to me, all of you. I'm not negotiating over my son. You'd rather take your chances with the judge? I know I've heard Jake talk about it before, but I, I feel like this would be a situation where, as the attorney, like you should be able to fire your client in this case. Like yep. you're, you're gonna start making me look bad in a minute here, dude. Yeah, and again, sorry, this is where we hear the thirty-one days, but I'm still just, mm. it's one month, my dude. Right. Uh, Spread you... over a no, year. Right. Non yeah. non consecutive month. Like it's it's yeah. it's the equivalent to a month. It's. Totally unreasonable. Also, again, Jackie, go away. Yeah, boy. I, yeah, I, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, I, yeah, I, I maybe like pick up a little something of what you were talking about last episode of like there maybe is a little bit more under the surface that we don't get to see or hear about, but it doesn't make it any easier for me to like redeem no, her. It's, it still sucks, but and I I do love that they touch on it more in this episode in one of the courtroom scenes. Yeah. But with that being said, we go over and we see Gamma chatting with uh, Carter Sr., Mr. Carter's dad. And uh, she's like, oh, you know, of course he's here because I'm injured. Because why else would my son deign to spend Christmas with us? Like, throwing the sass on real strong. And uh, dad says that he'll stay in the house until Carter's mom gets in town. Hmm. Hmm. And I should note here, they did do it on the previously on. They did bring up the stuff from Grandpa Carter's wedding to remind us of how troubled their marriage is. Hmm. His funeral, so, you mean? Yeah. Yep, I, I, I do the same thing. I always like, I always fuck up uh, wedding and funeral. Uh, I also I, I, I also want to point out whatever kind of weird uh, like house 
ass hospital uh, bed room that right? uh, Gamma's in. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that just the VIP ward of yeah. She must be uh, at some fancy yeah, like she, fancy university hospital or something. Yeah, private hospital. But um, we then go over to the judge talking with Reese and an interpreter. Which oh my god! Again, we get we're getting some great Reese these episodes, but. Uh, Benton and Roger are in the room, which is fucking wrong. If you're gonna interview the kid like this, no, you. Sh- this is a mistake from the get go. If you're having a custody conversation, you do not want the parents in the room because you don't want to influence with body language or anything. Um, cause yeah, he asks like, which one of these guys are your dad? And Reese is like, both of them, of course. Um, but he says mommy makes him feel better when he's sick, but Roger has band aids with cartoons. Oh, which, which hey, I mean that's right. that's fair. I get it. Like if if kids trying to make a choice, he's like one one of these parenting uh units has cartoon band aids. The other one yeah. has stale ash fish sticks that they keep trying to claim that I love. Uh, yep. you know I'm gonna go with the cartoon band aids. But yeah, am I right that like even from the beginning, this feels like a misstep to have the parents in the room for this discussion? It is a little weird, and I, I feel like. Again, not knowing anything about how these things usually play out, I don't know if that's normal for the parents to be in the room, and it is, or if it's that if it's a case like this where it's like, well, he's deaf, so they just choose to have the parents in the room because they think it doesn't matter. When it's like, "Mm, that seems a little shitty too. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think for mine, I didn't ever have to go and like interview at the court. I think. The most I did was probably, like, the family therapy, and that therapist was court-appointed, so they, you know, shared within reason of just general, like, well-being, not necessarily details, but... All right, uh, let's go back to the courthouse for some additional Roger testimony. It's kind of weird. Right now, I'd say he needs consistency. Reese, Carla, and I. The three of us were a family. That's how we planned our lives. That's how we approached every day, every week. I've been with Reese through earaches, flus, almost every scrape he's ever gotten. If you count the hours that I've spent with my stepson, it would far exceed the time that Dr. Benton has spent with a child he believed to be biologically his. Reese and Carla were my life. And now Reese is my life. He comes first. Ahead of my personal needs, ahead of my job. And I think that's in his best interest. I say this is weird because, like, that's the entire scene. Mm. It's just him talking. And I, I love it. I'm Team Roger. Yeah, I mean, I, I... I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's very weird because, like, we go from, all from like that stuff to some. No questions being asked. Not like on the stand being like interviewed by uh, interviewed it's by his, a lawyer. Or whatever. It's his testimony. Yeah. It's but it's just weird, and then they just cut it off. Yeah. And yeah. We go to Carter. I get the I get the sense that it was probably at originally it was probably a longer scene, and that you know they for time's sake they may have had to cut it down. Um, or they moved it around, kind of where yeah. the episode was. But you know it's it. it it's the opportunity, I guess, for the audience, you know, to because again, like this court, this court case in some ways is like playing out not only in front of a judge but also in front of the audience as well, and sort of it's the audience's opportunity to, you know, empathize with, um, with Roger's point of view on these things, you know, like, I, and I, 
I I don't know. I like I have I have felt differently or not not personally, but like the portrayal of this storyline, I, I remembered being way more one sided. Like I remember it, I remember them doing much more of like propping Benton up in the storyline and making Roger look like he was being like not necessarily unreasonable, but just like clearly an inferior choice as a father to Benton because at the end of the day, Benton's are one of our main characters. Like Benton's the guy that like you want to root for as an audience. So like, I felt like the first time around, I remembered it being more of a one-sided thing where they did more of kind of character assassination of Roger, where they just made him look kind of maybe not necessarily like a bad father, but just like, clearly you're not going to root for this guy. Like he's just there. And it's actually been much more even. And I'm, and I'm glad about that. If not slanted towards Roger. Right. Yeah. At a certain point you do sort of kind of like drift into that territory of like, actually, I mean, I don't know, maybe it should be Roger. So, you know, it, on hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight now, it does seem like it's a, a much more nuanced uh, portrayal than I remembered it being. So that is a, a positive thing. Uh, but we go from there uh, back to uh, Carter meeting up with his dad at Doc's, uh, and uh, he—you can just tell that he's like so excited that his dad is there and that they can have a, a bite to eat together. Like the the like almost boyish enthusiasm that is just coming out of Carter here is very you know very cute to see. Um, but his dad's being real cagey, uh, is avoiding answering why his mom isn't there. And finally, after, you know, continued prodding from Carter, he finally just kind of blurts out that him and his mom are getting divorced and it's, uh, not her that's initiating it. It is him. He is the one that's leaving the marriage. So yeesh. And you can just tell that this has like completely thrown Carter for a loop. Like this has like completely devastated him. I mean, yeah, that's parents that have been his parents that have been together all of his life right he's in his mid mid 30s i think we've estimated it right at this point yeah early 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 30s and you know and i think he says something to the effect of like after 30 years you're gonna split up and you know so they have been together his entire life and and also too his dad sort of insinuates too that like it was the stuff that carter said to him the last time they were together that sort of gave him the push he needed to yeah like you saw it before i did right and so like that's got to fuck him up too of like oh god did i say something that has now caused my parents to get divorced like look carter already needs all the therapy he can get (sighs) you don't need to add family drama on top of that (sighs) but anyway uh speaking of family drama let's get some additional benton testimony at the courthouse i agree with mr mcgrath that consistency is the best thing for reese right now See, I I let Carla take on a lot of the parenting while I pursued my career. But I did that because it felt right to leave Reese in his mother's care. But all that's changed now. And my responsibilities have changed, too. Because of that, I've made arrangements to work fewer hours so that I can become Reese's full-time caretaker. At County General? Yes, sir. What sort of hour reduction are we talking about? 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. weekdays, weekends off. And you can provide proof of this new schedule? Yes, sir. Yes, I can. Have it in my office by day's end. Unless there is anything else. Court's adjourned. I need to talk to him now. We'll pull him out. Well, fine. Let him know I'm on my way. 
Going back to work? Get out of my way. Got another shift? Roger, get out of my way. Where's Reese, huh? Oh, let me guess, Jackie. No, no, Cleo, a nanny? What do you want me to do? You want me to hit your car, huh? You lied, man. Now on top of everything else, you're a liar and a perjurer at that. You know what, you need to back off. Whatever it takes, is that it? Huh? He's not a trophy, man. You can't win at any cost just to win so you can give your sister a son. You gotta raise him. Go ahead, get my face. Come on. Roger, you need to shut your mouth, all right? Think, Peter. You can't change who you are. Just committed a little light perjury. You know, who who among us haven't, you know, from time to time? To give your sister a son. Which, okay, I th- which I don't doubt that that's part of the equation for Jackie a little bit, but I don't know that I understand that motivation from Peter's standpoint. Like, I don't know that that's ever it's- been his... It's not. It's, yeah. I don't think it's explicit. I, th- I think I think Roger's just seeing how Jackie's reacting, seeing how she's pushing this, yeah, and how she was the one who kind of instigated the shitstorm, right? And like they were getting along I think he's just more, fine until Jackie yeah. piped up. I I think he's more calling her out on it than necessarily saying Benton's playing ball on that. Yeah, but that he's letting Jackie sway him. Yeah. Ooh, that line though that he's not a trophy. Like, whoo boy. Like, Roger is no slouch. Roger can throw a fucking punch. Like, this dude is, he came to play. I like like this Roger. Yeah, I do too. And that's another thing, like, shout out to John Levy. Like, and I I don't know, I'm sure that decision wasn't entirely his, but like, I, I, as much as I like the actor who played Roger one, I can't imagine him doing this kind of work. You know, I can't imagine him hitting these kind of notes uh, the same way. You know, there's a there's a reason that they kept working with Vondi Curtis Hall, both in an on-screen capacity and as a director. Like, the dude is just really talented and can do a lot of different things. Yep. Oh, boy. Um, but then we go on to Sandy and Carrie are headed to lunch the next day. Okay. And they are by the Harrison Street subway, which was right where my dorms were in college. So I was like trying to, I was like not paying attention at all to their dialogue the first time and just like trying to see if I could identify which entrance they were by. I think I could, but either way, that's what I was focused on. God forbid I pay attention to the actual episode. Um, They can't find where they were headed for lunch. So uh, Carrie suggests they go to her place to order in instead. Just jumps right ahead. Which is cute, because Sandy goes, I like a girl who can take charge. If it works, it works. Um, speaking of getting things to work, uh, Benton's going to try to get his schedule reduced with Romano, so let's let's hear how that goes. Dr. Romano. You hear something? I need to talk to you. That sounds like the voice of a doctor who makes promises he can't keep and then hangs up on the guy he breaks the promises with. I need to talk to you now. Talk is cheap, Peter. I need to scale back my hours, and I need it in writing. To whom it may concern, no friggin' way. I'm serious. Is this about your kid? Yeah. All right, what do you need? Every other Saturday? No nights, no weekends. <laughs> That's a good one. I prefer the one about the rabbi and the goldfish. I need to spend more time at home. Never needed to before. His mother died. Yeah, well, his stepfather is still alive. Split custody with the guy. Keep doing what you do best. I'm not asking you for your advice. Newsflash! This is an urban trauma center. Until people start planning their MVAs and GSWs better, you are not going to be punching a time clock. That's not me being a hard ass. That's the job. You are a surgeon, aren't you? Are you going to do this for me or not? Not. You'll work when I need you to work, or you don't work at all. Well, then consider this my resignation. All right, all right, all right. Don't go getting dramatic. 
Weekends off. And what about weekdays? It's my best offer, Peter. Take it or leave it. I'll finish out the week. Are you really gonna do this? You're gonna throw away your career so you can play Mr. Mom? What a waste! Uh, I just wanna say, Romano actually plays fair here. Oh, yeah, 100%. Hits the nail 1,000% on the head. Like, he's like, no. And I love at the end, he calls him out and he's like, this is a fucking waste. You're a great doctor. What the fuck? Like, no, this is this is another one of those, like, actual likable Romano moments. He could have just as easily been super, super disrespectful about it. And he's actually, oh, is this about your kid? Like, in kind of a genuine yeah, way. Yeah, you're right. He, d- he dresses it up with the usual kind of Romano, yeah. uh, you know, venom. But he is actually being considered. He's a, when he finds out it is about his kid, he's like, okay, what do you need? Like, yeah. he does sort no, of. He, lo- he, he loves Reese. Right. Like, in his own weird little way, he's like, oh, no, cool, you're good. Yeah. And, and he's right, too. He's like, you know, when he, he says several things that are, like, 100% true, like, he's like, work out custody with the stepfather. Like, what? Like keep doing what you're doing. Like, what the hell? This, this like, is a fucking county hospital. Right. And he's like, I'm not being a hard ass. He's like, this is just the reality of the job. And, and he's absolutely 100% right. And, Bur- and Ben's a brilliant surgeon, by all accounts. Yeah. Like, he wants to keep him. And to have no weekends, that's a huge fucking offer he made Right, you. and mind you, you wouldn't have to have these specific terms in place if you hadn't, I don't know, lied on a witness stand. Purge? You're right. If you hadn't fucking perjured yourself, you wouldn't have to make these weird, uh, you know, demands. Oh, shall we? Because otherwise we'll just keep going on this and never get through the episode. Perjury is bad, y'all. Don't per- do it. Don't lie. Uh, Abby brings a baby up to OB from the ER, and she sees Nicole up there sleeping. Abby not paying attention to HIPAA at all, grabs her chart to follow up, pretending that she's one of her patients. And we learn that uh, Nicole was eight weeks along and uh, either had an abortion or miscarried. It's alluded to that she is fine now, but um, yeah, just lost the baby one way or the other. And Daniel, you had a note here? Yeah, well, first of all, this is one of those things that simply cannot happen anymore because uh, of the prevalence of electronic charting and uh, Mm -hmm. just access, not even reading, but just accessing patient files that you are not part of the, uh, you know, care, chain of care, care team team for is an immediately terminable offense in every healthcare system worth its salt in the country. Like, just her reading that chart, glancing at it, asking for it from the OB nurse, that would have been enough to get Abby fired here. Like, Good. Not cool. She's uh, pulling the old Mark Green. Yeah, you know, taking one. But this is county. Right, we don't, we don't follow the rules. We don't play by the rules here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this uh, <laughs> blink and you miss it appearance here, but, uh, since she was a no, she's a notable actress, I will point out that, uh, this is our last appearance of the, uh, Orange is the New Black nurse, uh, who mm-hmm. appeared for the first time in, uh, I think Abbey Road, um, or maybe it might've been whatever, whatever Abby's first episode was. Like, I think she, she appears in that episode as yeah. well. And it was like a kind of a shock to us. We are like, oh, this lady. And, and then the fact that she shows up again, like, a couple more times. But um, she doesn't really do much in this scene, but it is the last time we will see her, so. Yep. Oh, and then Benton's shitstorm continues. It's now later in the day, and he goes to visit Cleo at her new job out in Schomburg. Um, and he needs to see her <laughs> boss ger- right now. <laughs> That's Germany, Schomburg. Deep yes. cut. Deep uh, Carla cut. But, um, did I say Carla again? No, I did. No, I was... 
Okay. I was, ma- I was making fun of how Carla said Germany, Hamburg instead of Hamburg, Germany. Yeah. And Schomburg sounds like Hamburg. This is how my brain works. Okay. Well, I know I mixed them up a couple episodes ago. Listeners pointed it out. Sorry, guys. Um, but he needs to see Carla's. <laughs> Take your time. We're right here with you. Uh... <laughs> see, my excuse is that I'm we know. Sem- semi-delirious. We know. Uh, but... He needs to see Cleo's new boss. There you go. Shut up. And uh, get the proof of employment immediately. He needs a job now. And he thinks this guy's going to hire him because, you know, Cleo had mentioned that, oh, there might be a chance down the road because they need surgeons. And Benton's like, no, I need to fucking talk to this guy now. Make it happen. I'm going to give him a firm handshake and look him right in the <laughs> eye. And give him like, my resume. And not even give him a resume. He doesn't have a resume with him. He just, I need a job. Yes, sir. All right. And I love how Cleo's like, I barely know him. I just right. started here. She's like, don't mess, don't fuck up my cushy gig. Like, I just got yeah. here. But then uh, we see Nicole walk out of her room, and Abby walks up to her and apologizes for what happened. And Nicole says, I thought his kindness was love, but it's not. He deserves not to know. And Lizzie, would you like a moment? Would you like a... <sighs> Bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Nicole. Yes, this closes our long, strange chapter that has been Nicole in season eight. Completely unnecessary diversion. Yeah. Boy, what a weird, like, wow. What a thing. Like, just no, just have no understanding of what we were meant to take away from this whole little saga. Like, like, like we said last episode or a couple episodes ago, like, it does nothing to, like, drive Luca and Abby further apart, nor does it do anything to bring them closer together. It just kind of is. I think it's an illustration. So when we see Luca kind of have his downward spiral a little bit later on, it shows for lack of a better term, how much of a schmuck he is Mm -hmm. and how much he just craves to be in a relationship, taking care of someone that sometimes, you know, his judgment gets the better of him or, you know, his, his, uh, Naivety gets the better of his judgment, and sometimes he makes these rash decisions because he just he doesn't want to be alone. Yeah. So I think it's more of a reflection on Luca individually than on something for Luca and. Abby. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I just I don't know this whole this whole thing just feels like it it could have either been done a differently or b like do something different. You know, like either do this same thing but do it differently and do it better. Or just scrap it and do something entirely different. But, I don't know. Uh, I would once again like to register my support for a uh, Benton, I mean, a, Benton, uh, a Luca and Susan detour. Like, let's let us let us explore that. Let's go down that rabbit hole, why don't we? Uh, but no, we get Nicole instead. Uh, but not anymore. Uh, we then go to uh, Benton sitting in Cleo's boss's waiting room. Uh, and uh, dude sounds swamped, so it does not seem like uh, Benton's going to be getting the answer he's looking for today. Um, this kind of had echoes for me a little bit. I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but it kind of had echoes for me of season, I think, two with Benton when he's uh, sitting outside the dean's office waiting to rat on Busilich. Like, Oh, yeah, that did happen. He's kind of sitting there twiddling his thumbs, like trying to decide what he's doing. Like, I'm sure it wasn't an intentional parallel, but definitely had flavors of that. The other way I read it um, is that, like, 
because this dude sounds so swamped, he might be desperate for another surgeon right now. Like based on how full his calendar is, he might be looking for some poor idiot that he can dump some of this on. Well, let's find out what happens next. Uh, Benton is seen then chasing down the judge to give him the employment letter. And, uh, Hey, yep, job. Judge is rightfully pissed that, uh, Benton told a very different story on the stand yesterday. Uh, so, uh, he then goes, uh, from there runs, uh, back over to County and runs into Lizzie out by the roach coach. And she asks him how things are going. And this is where he breaks the news to her that he's going to be leaving. And, it would be one thing if if things don't turn out the way they do over the next five episodes. It would be one thing if, like, we could say, oh, this was, like, a kind of a nice nod to their little, you know, their time together. And then, of course, what happens later in the episode. But, you know, we will get into that as we get closer to the end of the episode. But, like, there's a lot about Benton's goodbye that I love. And there's a lot about Benton's goodbye that annoys me. So, you know, more to come on that later. Great. Uh, and then we go to a kid, Ben, who fell hanging lights on the house. He was 12 years old, and Susan and Carter are working on him. And Benton may want to remove his spleen, the pant, which the pants parents immediately panic about. Oh my God, we can give him, a, we can give him bars. We can we get our blood types. We what are the they just and mom faints. Uh, she has a swollen node yeah she has a swollen node uh but she knows she's sick she has lymphoma but the family doesn't know she's like why why ruin the holidays tell them after christmas Mm. yeah and our parents here mom is played by actress leah salonga who uh, appeared in uh the movie second chances and was also the singing voice in one of the singing voices in mulan and uh the voice uh or the singing voice of jasmine in aladdin oh so cool yeah, shout out to her and then dad he is played by actor charles rahi chun and he appeared in stuff like next beverly hills cop 3 and had a recurring role on the tv series scrubs and i cannot for the life of me remember his character's name but he's like one of the recurring like doctors who would just pop up from time to time so you said singing voice in Aladdin, and my for some reason my brain just went to Lion King. I just can't wait to be king. You don't watch enough Disney movies with me. I'm not adding them to the list, guys. But I'm just saying you don't. Watch <laughs> I had a full Disney conversation with somebody the other day about uh, the differences between and my affection for the Great Mouse Detective, uh, and uh, what was the other one? We were trying to decide the differences between uh, Great Mouse Detective, uh, an American Tale and something else and you know i was i was I being the American hipster tale. about it where i was like fuck that american tail horse shit like great great mouse detective is the superior superior it's sherlock holmes but with you know mice like it's just i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put up with this american tail it's slander, fine it's I, fine no no especially because on instagram i just saw one of our local shelters um trying to get a cat named Fivel adopted, so that's why sure, I'm sure. just like, no, I'm not going to put up with this. But anyway, shall we carry on? Go for it. Uh, Benton has received a call from his attorney, and it turns out he needs to meet her right away. This can only be great, I'm sure, fam. Uh, Lucha, and then we go over to Lucha. Luca is suturing a dad's hand while his kids sit with him, and uh, he was stealing ice skates to give the kids something new for once. Uh, there's no mom or family to help him out. And Luca then is out in the hall talking to Abby and he goes, oh, maybe I'll post bail for the guy. Cause you know, they live in a motel. They, you know, can't get new presents, can't get anything really. Um, 
And Abby's like, it's fine. They can go to the food bank. They can, you know, like, there's other options. And uh, Luca says, the food banks help out this time of year, but what happens in three months? And I want to note, as of 2023, this would not be as much of an issue because Chicago has great, uh, has a very robust food pantry network year round. So it's not like, you know, they just help you for Christmas and then leave you in the dirt. Yeah. It's not really time-based. I don't know how it would have been then, but... The Greater Chicago Food Depository is a wonderful organization that helps supply many food banks in the area. Shout out to Nourishing Hope for being there for us in hard times. Yep. But yeah, so again, uh, Luca is just consistently in the need to help people. He just, he can't help himself. A little tiny bit of a savior complex. Just a little bit. And uh, this is where he notes that he misses his kids and Christmas is always the hardest. Which is totally valid. And we are back at court again. Reese, just MVP of cuteness for the entirety of the series, uh, does a cute little wave to Roger. And the judge wants to talk to Reese again, but just Reese this time. Thank you. Mm. Lauren is validated. I love the little, I love the little like. Uh, gra- like I don't know if that was coached or not. It seemed very like spur of the moment from the kid, but like I don't know if his little like grab of the table as he's mm-hmm. walking away of, of just like he does his cool cute little wave to Roger, but then he also tries to grab onto the table where Benton is before he leaves. Like I don't know if that was a direction or if that was just like Matthew and, Watkins being bored at work. And 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 Benton's little scoot of him to be like, no, go right. on. I'm just oh. I'm so. This precious little I'm angel. so sad we're losing Reese this episode. Uh, but uh, we go back. We see Ben is getting exploratory surgery. Uh, the family is all uh, following him, with him to the elevator, chattering. Uh, we then see Susan and Carter in the lounge. Uh, she wants. She goes to give him uh, his present, and he's like, "Oh, yours is at my place," which you know I don't necessarily believe. I feel like he did really forget, but that's fine. Uh, you know, he's rich. He can probably just take take a vase or something exactly and worth a million dollars and just give it to her. The the damn uh, painting of him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on the horse. On, on a horse. Oh, yeah. Oh God, I would love to know where that painting ended up. Oh my God. Uh, he, uh, asks if he can wait, if they can wait and tells her about, uh, the family problems he's currently experiencing and says, you're about the only thing going right in my life. Yeah, sure, man. Exactly. in that Whatever, tone. whatever you say, <laughs> whatever you say, man. Sure. All right. So finally, fucking finally, let's get the verdict in the case of Roger V. Peter. You shouldn't let this happen. I didn't want to seem defensive. What do you think of your new job? He wasn't overly impressed. There you are. Thank you for all rushing over. Be seated. We're in a unique situation. In a traditional custody case, win or lose, the parents maintain the title given to them by their biology, they're still mommy and daddy. Here, I'm asked to declare that one of these two men is not in fact daddy, but they both love Reese, and they have both made sacrifices to be with him, though I will say Dr. Benton's effort was late in the game, and I am uncomfortable about the way he handled it. I'm not convinced he was exactly forthright with the court, but the fact is that I do believe Reese would thrive in either of your households. 
and that makes my decision even harder. But based on the evidence provided by Dr. Benton that he will be more available as a parent in the future, and the fact that Reese has always believed him to be his father, the court grants custody to Peter Benton. Mr. McGrath will be given visitation with Reese every other Saturday. The court calls a 20-minute recess. I love a good Martin play out. This is very, very good, and I don't mean to undercut the sentimentality of that moment. However, out of context, just as a clip, something about the judge saying, I am forced to declare that one of these men is not, in fact, daddy, is (laughs) fucking hysterical. Like, Okay, can I also point out that even with Roger losing, he gets five days less than the minimum that they were arguing for. Yeah. Like, it's, it's literally just so that he can say he won. Yeah. It's so shitty. Uh, yeah. So, I, I can't remember. At the beginning of this clip, because I, I was I zoned out for a second. Did, Daddy. Did we, did, did, I know. I'm so focused on that line. Did did we hear Jackie's voice at the beginning, or did I miss it earlier? Mm, so, I don't, th- I don't no. think Jackie's actually no. in this scene. So, we actually saw the last of Jackie in the last yeah. scene when we she was there. So, that was it for Jackie. We don't see her again. And, um, you know, I guess now is as good a time as any to, like, you know, give an actress who I really like, Candy Alexander, who, you know, shout out to her in fucking news radio, one of my favorite shows of all time. Like she's she's an excellent actress. And, you know, in the the brief times that we get to really dig into her character over the course of the years, like I've really enjoyed her. But man, what a like shitty like last half of a, a season they really gave her to work they, with. They done her dirty. Yeah. yeah. Like, boy, what a just sour taste to leave in your mouth with a character that, you know, was otherwise perfectly fine. Yeah, in the first seven seasons, she was a great tertiary character, recurring role that popped up every now and then. Yeah. Plus, she's married to Ving Rhames, so we can't hate her right? all that much. So, um, yeah. See, that's really the the greatest tragedy of all is that we stopped getting Ving Rhames on this show. Uh, season one, season two was a simpler time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Blame it on Pulp Fiction. Uh. <sighs> That's all I can say. Really I know, you're, yeah, I, w- I, I will say, but I will say before we leave this last scene, though, I will say that the Reese wave to Roger at the end and the look on Roger's face, like mm-hmm. the but not the first look that he gives to Reese, and then as soon as Reese looks away, the way his face just falls is mm-hmm. so well done and so heartbreaking, and it's just like, man, shout out to uh, another. I, I forgot to write him in, in the notes too. Like this is the last time we're seeing Roger too. Like. Uh, I mean, like in this episode, I mean, yeah, yes. like, but I forgot to write it in the notes. Like this, this, we, we say a lot of goodbyes in this episode. Basically, is the point. Like, like Nicole, Roger, Reese, Jackie, you know, Cleo. Like, there's a lot of goodbyes in this episode, so it was hard to keep track of them all. So, speaking of saying goodbye, uh, let's get the last ever the, with the not the last ever because we got season fifteen, the series finale to deal with. But uh, let's say get the. Last ever seen with Benton, Reese, and Cleo. It's Christmas Eve at Cleo's house. We might have to go out and get one. No, go ahead and use the angel. No, I always have a star. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Yay! 
Yes, it is pretty. You finish your part? <sighs> hey, baby, come here. Come over here. Come lay under the tree. You should get going. Uh, I got a half an hour. I'm going to be late for your last shift. What are they going to do? Fire me. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? This is the best way to look at a tree. When I was Reese's age, I used to do this for hours. It's beautiful. Hey, how long is the commute to Schomburg? Depends on when you leave. Because I was thinking if, you know, we're both working there. Yeah. Maybe we should relocate. We? Yeah. And this whole thing is, I don't know, it's made me focus. It's like all my life I've been chasing something, you know, that time when I can making it to the end zone and spiked the ball. <laughs> I took almost losing my son to realize the end zone's not out there. It's right here. You're good raw material. I can work with you. Oh, you can't? Yeah, I have to get you in shape. <laughs> what kind of shape? That just in the beginning, oh, like just give me that on a loop. Just happy Reese noises. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That should be just that us. should be the subtitles. Happy Reese noises. Yeah, yeah. But no, it should be the title of the episode. Happy <laughs> Reese noises. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm very glad that you know, even though it's maybe not necessarily it, with the benefit of hindsight, maybe not necessarily the happy ending that it should be or could have been. But I am very glad to see that you know Reese gets a more or less happy ending. And we get to mm-hmm. leave him in a in a positive place. And you know, I guess I'm I'm happy in a, in another sense too that like we we do get to have Benton and Cleo arriving at some sort of like peace. It definitely like it does not spark the same kind of happy ending joy as Doug and Carol, which I know is not a fair comparison. But you just compare those two, you know, end game type of moments, like of like these are these characters are going to get there because like. You know, as people have pointed out, like when we get to the series finale at the end, there is a line of dialogue that indicates that Cleo and Benton are still together at that point, even though Cleo doesn't end up appearing Um, like they still are together at that point. So they're one of the few like pairings in the show that gets a like, quote unquote, happy ending. But it still feels a little hollow. Like this whole thing just still after all this time, just it never really gets there in my opinion. It feels hollow because Cleo is a hollow. It's character. true. And uh, a, a hollow character we will be talking all about in a uh, ret- character retrospective that will be in your ears in mere days. Uh, but 
it yeah and we'll get it patreon.com slash sign the tone podcast I, I, we get accused a lot of being negative on those things because of like recent uh recency bias and stuff and like and yeah there will be some negativity on that but i want to stress that it has nothing to do with the actress and it has nothing to do with like the character itself deserves a lot better if there's any negativity i think it's directed at the show itself i think this is a perfect example of the show failing the actress and failing the character not the other way around yeah but uh, this does mark the final – well, okay, not not entirely. Uh, final. final air quotes appearance for both Reese and Cleo. Uh, Reese, of course, will return to us in the series finale when we get to see him as, you know, young boy Reese uh, with uh, Benton in a very sweet moment that I love. Amazingly the same actor, too. Ever so yep. much. Yeah, I love that they went to the trouble to bring him back for that. Um, and Cleo will be in an – utterly meaningless cameo in um fucking what is it uh what's the name of the fucking episode jesus christ on the beach uh she, she will be in an utterly meaningless cameo uh in the funeral scene she'll be in the background she won't be doing anything but she'll be there nope not gonna do yeah, it. i know we're gonna do it when we get there but uh should we carry on but where's duggan yeah. no damn it lizzie <laughs> should we go on but why male models <sighs> so uh we've completely pivot to a six-year-old being brought in with a gunshot wound his name is teddy his mom shot him and uh daniel's gonna tell us who this woman is in a minute but i had put in the notes oh hi wilson's girlfriend from house yeah daniel who plays this woman yes uh actress ann dudek i hope i'm saying that right uh that she sounds right. appears in stuff like white chicks uh as Lauren, as Lauren said, the TV series House, and what I recognize her from most, uh, most notably, uh, shout out to the Innocent Ladies, uh, she was the neighbor Francine on Mad Men. Yeah, if for some reason it just like does not connect to me that that's the same actress, even though I know it is, it's just yeah. there's such disparate parts in my uh, media consumption yeah. growing up. Yeah, that it just does not does not compute. No. Uh, and this is this does mark her television debut. So that we're we're Sick. seeing the beginnings cool. of uh, Francine and Wilson's girlfriend. Nice. Uh, but then we go over to Benton sees Roger out in the waiting room in surgery, and Roger wants to give Benton Reese's Christmas presents so Reese can open them tomorrow morning. And Benton's like, "Yeah, all right." And then he's like, "Eh, come over tomorrow and give them to yourself. Give them. Let him open them yourself." And Roger's like. Thanks, man. Yeah, I would sort of argue See, that attitude could could have saved you a lot of money, Benton. Yeah, right. God damn, where the fuck? Like, where the fuck was this? Just like f- six hours ago. Like, you could have saved everybody all the heartache and a lot of money. Um, I I I think too that like starting with the scene after the the trial ends, like starting with the Christmas scene. Um, I think the last like 14, 13, 14 minutes of this episode are like damn near perfection. Like, I, I find very little fault in the last, like, third of this episode where it just goes balls to the wall. Like, I, I just, like, not not in, not in a, like, heart-pounding sort of way, but just, like, I feel like they took every opportunity to, like, elicit very specific emotions. And I feel like they could have gone overboard with it and made it overly schmaltzy and overly, like, saccharine. And I feel like they strike the exact perfect note. I agree with you, but I'm also going to say I'm having one of those moments where I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's still another 10 minutes left in this episode (laughs) where it's like, it feels like everything's happened already. And then you're like, oh no, all this other shit's going to go on. Well, Benton gets called down to the ER to help with Teddy. Uh, The woman was, uh, mom was confused with the flu and thought someone was breaking in. 
and he was supposed to be in bed uh, bed and i heard glass break and lauren whose films are those and they have to open the young kid's chest bat and freaking tastic excuse you his christian name is teddy <laughs> i do not remember because i'm losing steam here you're doing great <laughs> uh well we see romano coming in to assist with the uh surgery and uh we get a uh shirley mention here where she says that the bullet looks weird uh it's meant to fragment and shred upon entry oh boy it's the same kind of bullet that uh, killed john lennon love the fuck yeah today i learned yeah Hollow point bullets. Okay. That's kind of the whole. Oh. That's their whole deal is that they they expand upon entry and cause maximum okay. damage. Okay. All right. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, and they ask, "What do we have? Organ donor." Ugh. Romano bails because he thinks it's a lost cause, uh, but Lizzie gives feedback and then joins in to help Benton with the big fix. And again, this is like one of those opportunities where it could have very easily gone too far. And I, I would argue this is as close as they come. Like this is they fly as close to the sun as they possibly can here. And almost tip over into like, all right, like you're being a li- you're laying it on a little thick, but they they don't just when to pull back, like they know just when to pull back and go like, all right, this is this is still good, uh, just like with this one going Mark going to visit the mom in the chapel, and uh, Mark doesn't really get to do very much this episode, but he actually gets to deliver a good little zinger here of like, you know, he has the best surgeons I know working on him. I did forget to mention in the it, because it was something that like struck me. Uh, as I was watching it and I forgot to mention it uh, in the the trauma part of this when they're down in the ER you get to see um Benton it's Benton Susan and Mark all working on the trauma together and I have to feel like that was intentional like I have to feel like that was an intentional choice to have those three be the one in the room because short of Carter and of course Doug and Carol who are you know long gone like that's as close to the original group as you are able to cull together at this point. So like, it was just a nice little touch to have Benton get to do one final trauma mm-hmm. down in the ER and have it be with Susan and Mark. Like, I just thought that was a really yeah. nice little touch. Um, but yeah, it, uh, Mark telling the mom that he has the best surgeons I know working on him. So even though Mark doesn't get very much to do this episode, he still gets to gets to punch one in. Yep. Uh, we go over Teddy is still in surgery. Lizzie is helping repair the bowel. It's a Christmas miracle. He's no longer bleeding out. And Lizzie's like, all right, you get to go tell the mom. Good job. And um, she says as he's walking out, despite anything Romano may say, this place is really going to miss you. And I love Benton's reply The that when he says, you know, I wish I could say that the feeling was mutual or I wish I could say the same or yeah. something to that effect. And she's like, come on, it wasn't all that bad, right? And he goes, like, when he says we had our moments, that's another one of those, like, meta lines. Like, that's another one of our sexy moments. He's talking about the hospital, not the the woman who seduced him with an egg. Like, he's... (laughs) (laughs) He's, you know, like, that feels like one of those lines where the character's talking to the viewer. Like, that feels Mm -hmm. like one of those moments where the character is is speaking through the screen and being like, you know, we... We had our moments, we had our fun, like, but we're at the end of the road. And it's just really, it, I love it. I love it so much. And we get to have one more Benton, like, really strong, like, like patient to family member. And it's another example of the growth arc, too, of, like, season one Benton would not have been able to have this conversation with this woman that season eight Benton is having. But he goes out and tells the mom that Teddy's going to pull through. And she's just like, you know, thank you so much. I don't know what to say. And he's just like, 
just get the gun out of your house. And the way he says it and the music starts to like hit and it, it, it goes immediately into the, the next scene where we see him coming out. It's an iconic shot of him coming out through the doors and just the way it's paced is so perfect to me. Like he, he's at the desk and he's like rubbing the back of his neck and taking his surgical cap off and he turns around and the, the camera like perfectly focuses on him and his reflection in the window as he's watching Lizzie, you know, finish up and he's, he's reflecting on his time there and he sees Romano and watches him walk away and smiles at him as he goes. Like, it's just so pitch perfect. Like, and of course it bleeds perfectly into the last scene. And I just like, man, like this is not an all time great episode, but it is an all time great, like ending sequence for a character. Mm -hmm. Like it is an excellent way to say goodbye to a character that you're not going to kill and you're not going to go out in a blaze of glory. You're just going to say goodbye. It's just a regular ass goodbye. And they nail it. And I just, mm. All right, so let's go to the last scene here. Uh, Benton's jogging in the park around Buckingham Fountain and runs into Carter. I guess Santa didn't buy you that bike you asked for. Carter, what are you doing here? Cleo told me this was on your route. Come on, you want to join me? <laughs> no. I want to get my heart rate up. I'll have another cup of coffee. Got your message. I guess there's no way to talk you out of it, huh? Done deal. Well, I got you something. Carter. Open it. You're a tough guy to shop for. An L token? Second week of my surgical internship, we got 11 traumas in one night. 5 a.m. the next morning, we were still patching together this little girl that had been dragged into her car. And I was so tired, I couldn't even see straight. And I asked you if I could take a break. And you kicked me out of the OR. I couldn't even drive home, I was so exhausted, so I just sat down and started crying right there in the hallway. You came out of surgery, and you gave me that. You said I could use it to go home. Or I could commit to what I was doing and use it to come back the next day. No Rolex, huh? <laughs> Figured if you get tired of Schomburg, you can use it to come back. Carter, they don't use tokens anymore. Then call. And I'll come pick you up. Look, I want you to know that, that I owe you. Getting cold, I better move on. Merry Christmas. Send you. Hey, Peter. I'm a good doctor because of you. No, you're not. But keep trying. The 
I just have to say that music sting is so good. I was going to say, say what you will about the rest of this episode. Good, good, great, bad, whatever. Martin was on fucking fire Mm -hmm. this episode. Yeah, I don't know if that one at the end, I don't know if that's licensed or not. That might be, that may not be a Martin original. I'm not sure. I'm sure Aaron will tell us in great detail but i like regardless of that even minus that one he's yeah still no on for sure this episode. for sure 100 percent. and i you know that's one of my top certainly top 10 maybe top five favorite scenes in the entire mm-hmm. 15 seasons like i love mm-hmm. the carter benton goodbye so very much it's one of the few scenes that like still no matter how many times i watch it i will be teary-eyed by the time i finish watching it it happened when i was doing notes for this episode like it is just like it just gets you on a level that and it doesn't it doesn't rely on shock value or drama or anything it's just it's just so organic like and you know we talked about the punch at the top like this is another one of those things that like this was one of the first things we talked about in the first episode was like the relationship between these two and us getting to like watch that develop in real time over the the eight seasons like we we did it we watched the whole thing develop we're now like at the end point of it and like wait what yeah right that's where i'm at like they <laughs> they just they they land the plane so well with this just story here like they just they get us to such a and really like barring a few select moments these two have largely like been orbiting each other since the relap since the drug uh drug rehab stuff with carter like they haven't interacted all that much like barring a few token moments and so like to have that still endure and still be something that you can go back to and and like I just imagine somebody watching this episode live in 2001, watching it for the first time, going like, "They're not gonna let him leave without talking to Carter." Like he he did all the other stuff, and they leave this to the. It feels a lot like when Doug left, and they have that little stinger mm-hmm. with him and 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 uh, Mark sitting on by the mm-hmm. lake. Like that was the most important thing to take away from that episode was that you were seeing these two people, you know, express their fondness for one another one last time before we ever see them again. And, and at this point in time, we don't know that we're ever going to see Benton and, and Carter interact again. Nobody knew that we were going to revisit this towards the end of the show. So like for all intents and purposes, this is the last time you're going to see these characters together. And it's just, it strikes such a sweet chord and such a sweet moment. And like, I just, I love it so, so much. And the only thing I hate about it, the only fucking thing I hate about it, or hate is a strong word. The only thing I dislike about it is that it marks the beginning of the grand latter-day ER tradition of shitting on goodbyes, where they would do these great, beautiful send-offs for these characters, and then, like, either they would mention something or they would do like they're going to do with Benton here, because this is... There's a reason you're not getting a Benton retrospective this weekend. There's two reasons. One is because Lauren would kill me. Two... Thank you. It's already a very crowded weekend. Two is because Benton's not done for the season. Benton is going to make two more appearances before the end of the season. One, very token. The other, less so. The The token one being, of course, just like Cleo in the On the Beach uh, scene. But there's going to come a point in about five episodes where the writers are going to look around and go, oh, shit, Elizabeth hasn't developed a meaningful human relationship with anyone she hasn't fucked. So we one of, <laughs> one of them's dying, so we got we to gotta yank the other one back out of the shadow realm so that she can have someone to talk to. 
So they have to bring Benton back. And that shit pisses me off. I find that so frustrating because they give him such an amazing, perfect, like, mm, pitch perfect send off here. And just as you're about to like kind of make make your peace with that and come to terms with the fact that this character you've watched grow and change and just loved over the last eight years, once you're coming to terms with the fact that he is gone for good, psych, just kidding, he's going to be back for one quick scene to have like a chat with his old girlfriend. It's just sucks and I just don't like it and they would do that again later in the like I'm thinking like I, I think they do it with Neela I want to say or like they 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 do it at some point in the future because I can remember thinking like this is some fucking Benton bullshit like they're they're shitting on the goodbyes again and so it's just like I don't know that's the part that irks me is that they they take this moment that is 10 out of 10 perfection and they kind of shit on it a little bit in a few uh, episodes and that annoys me but Otherwise, 10 out of 10, no notes. Love it to death. What about the episode as a whole? That's what he was yeah, saying. Eight, eight oh. and a half. As an episode, it's an okay. eight and a half. But the goodbye part, yeah. that's a 10. Okay. Yeah, I'd give, it, I'd give it eight out of 10 for the whole episode, maybe seven and a half with a 10 out of 10 for the goodbye. Yeah, I'll go eight out of 10. Sorry, my brain is not functional anymore. You're good. <laughs> at this point. Also, of course, because I notice random things that don't matter, uh, Benton's earrings don't match, and that might have been a conscious fashion choice, but I noticed it anyway. Got to get one more cool. in. Get him in for the road. Got to get one more in. Okay. Uh, let's go to listener responses, though, Lauren. Uh, Michelle K says, Peter, I love that he got such a great send-off. He stood up to Romano, chose Reese, and finally realized that being a world-class surgeon does not mean you have to sacrifice your family. I'm also glad he realizes Roger is an important part of Reese's life and should be a part of it. I think this whole story arc really shows Peter finally and completely setting his ego aside for the good of his son. Um, Rodney C. says, Even after all this time, I kind of teared up when Carter said I owe you to Peter. Coming from Carter and Noah, that line means a whole lot. I love how one could grow to love a character like Peter without ever changing who he fundamentally is. He was gruff and hard to take depending on the situation, but he was also a great surgeon, brother, and father who fought for what he believed in and became so much more than the career-driven character he once was. He will be missed. Last but certainly not least, we have at the full-time dad. I might not be a charter member of Team Benton, but as the loud fan with the face paint, a Reese poster, and a Vuvuzela, I can never say that right, Vuvuzela, um, this is one of my favorite Benton-centric episodes and a near-perfect send-off. We got to see him complete his transformation from ambitious, arrogant surgeon to devoted father who puts his son above all, fully embrace his relationship with Cleo, and have a great have great final moments with three of the characters who helped define his time on the show in the last four seasons. Romano, Elizabeth, and Carter. One underrated aspect of this show is the licensed music selection. I almost always well up with tears as a long way from home simmers as he signs out for the final time, and you get that look of him staring into the surgical room with his reflection staring back. And the song carries into his final scene with Carter, which is one of the show's most beautiful scenes. In those final five minutes, you get everything you love about Benton. The miraculous save, the wink at Elizabeth, the deserved arrogance, a little going away present, and we had our moments, we had our moments, are two of my favorite line reads, and he, and the really transparent attempts to hide his affection for Carter. I'm going to miss Reese. He's such a beautiful ray of light. 
The way his face lights up when the tree is lit is just a reminder of the simple childhood joys we sometimes as adults take for granted. And finally, I think the show does a good job, in typical ER fashion, laying the tracks for the next few storylines that will carry the show forward, including Carter's parents' divorce and Carrie's budding romance with Sandy, which I'm totally here for. And of course, Stan, who hangs around a lot longer than you realize. But this episode is about Peter, and it's a fitting tribute to Eric LaSalle, and we're all better for the experience. Why is everyone so, so much better at summing up their feelings than me? <laughs> you Okay, that's not true. You do great uh, movie and game reviews. That's what It's just you put all your brain cells into those, so by the time you get to the podcast, you're like, derp. I mean, it also doesn't help that, yeah, I'm sick. But. Yeah, you're good. So because of that, I'm starting to get a very raging headache. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet again tonight. Uh, we love you. Subscribe to the subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You can look out for a bevy of character retrospectives. <laughs> and and uh, Jake's beautiful custody battle episode. Yes, that should be up. Yeah, that, sh- that should what be out by now. Days. Should be out by now? Okay. Either way, uh, we love you and we'll see you next week. to declare that one of these two men is not in fact daddy.